Hello everyone, this is Chris Evinger with Nightfall Audiobooks. Welcome to your Halloween episode, Halloween Party. I have not read this book yet, so it's going to be pretty fun to read. After this, I have Silent Night slated for your Christmas book. And after that, that's it. 2022 is over. So buckle up and listen, and let's discover Halloween Party for the first time together. Welcome to a Nightfall Audiobooks production. This is Halloween Party by R.L. Stein, a Fear Street novel, Book 8. Chapter 1 The tombstone loomed gray in the moonlight, its edges eroded into irregular shapes. Thick moss covered the words etched into its surface, except for a line at the bottom. Died, October 31st, 1884. Terry Ryan tried to step quickly past the ancient monument, but his girlfriend, Nicky Meyer, pulled his hand to stop him. Look, Terry, she said. The person in this grave died on this same day over a hundred years ago. Nikki stepped closer, her flashlight casting a dim yellow arc of light on the gravestone. Terry pulled his jacket tighter. The wind howled, sounding like the wail of a creature long dead. Somewhere, something scratched and rattled against stone. I don't believe I'm standing in the middle of the Fear Street Cemetery at night, Terry thought. He took Nikki's hand again and gave it a gentle squeeze. She turned to him, her beautiful dark eyes bright with excitement. In her red gown and black cape, she looked like a medieval princess. I wonder who all these people were, she said, gesturing at the crumbling gravestones. Early settlers of Shadyside, probably, said Terry. Nobody's been buried here for years. It's spooky here, Nikki said, but kind of beautiful, too. How do you suppose all those stories got started, about the living and dead coming out of their graves? Just stories, he said. Come on, let's go. The wind gusted, and Terry saw Nikki shiver inside her cape. They began walking again, and Terry picked a path through the weed-choked lanes between the grave markers. With their every step, the ground creaked, a sound like breaking bones. Somewhere above them, the wind shrieked, tearing at a branch. Terry stole a glance at Nikki. Her eyes were sparkling with excitement. The howling wind doesn't bother Nikki, Terry thought. Nikki had been nearly deaf since an accident in second grade. But she spoke so clearly and read lips so well, most people didn't even realize she had a handicap. Nikki herself never acted as if she was different from other kids. She never wanted special treatment at all. In fact, just the opposite. Nikki was always ready for adventure. But was she ready for tonight? They were almost at the end of the shortcut that led to the edge of the graveyard. Beyond the cemetery's stone wall, Terry could see the outline of the old Cameron mansion. The tall trees around it were whipping from side to side. From this distance, it looked as if the house were slowly shaking itself. The wooden gate at the edge of the wall hung open. Without realizing it, Terry began to walk a little faster. Nikki tugged in his hand again. I dropped my mask back there, she said. It'll take just a second to get it. Holding the flashlight on her feet, Nikki quickly retraced her steps. Not so fast, Terry called, then he remembered she couldn't hear him. She ducked behind the tombstone she'd been examining. I've got it, she called. Terry slipped on a moss-covered rock, then quickly pulled himself up and headed to the tombstone. Even if the scary stories weren't true, he didn't want to let Nikki out of his sight. He'd almost reached the tombstone when a sudden high-pitched scream split the air. Nikki! he called. His heart thudding, he lunged behind the tombstone. Nikki was there, brushing the dirt off her black silk mask. What's wrong? she asked when she saw his face. I heard a... The scream was repeated. There it is again! he said. He put his arm around Nikki and held her tight. The sound had come from the direction of the gate. He thought of going back the way they had come and walking around the cemetery, but it would take too long. Besides, he wanted to get out of the graveyard as soon as possible. With the flashlight in one hand and his other arm around Nikki, Terry walked cautiously toward the gate. They had nearly reached it when a tall, dark figure suddenly jumped into the path in front of them. Nikki let out a shriek and pressed tighter against Terry. Blocking the path was a figure from a nightmare. 
The thing's black clothing hung in tatters. Its face, or what was left of it, seemed to be rotting away, and the flesh in his hands was peeling off the bones. This isn't happening, Terry thought. That thing can't be real. His hands shaking, he pushed Nicky from behind and raised the flashlight threateningly. Can a weapon hurt the living dead? he wondered. But before he could find out, the figure suddenly reached up and ripped its head off, revealing the grinning face of Murphy Carter. It took Terry a moment to realize that the gruesome head was only a mask. Gotcha, Murphy said. Boy, you two were scared to death. You should have seen your faces. Yeah, sure, said Terry, hoping his voice wasn't shaking. We knew it was you all along. Sure you did, said Murphy. And my grandmother's the mayor of Shadyside. He grinned at Nicky, then gestured with one of his gloves that looked like a rotting hand. Come on, let's go, he said. We wouldn't want to be late for this party. Chapter 2 Two Weeks Earlier Sometimes Terry thought he tried to do too many things. Sometimes he knew he did. That week alone, in addition to his regular schoolwork and after-school job, he had to turn in a science project and chair a student council meeting. He'd also promised his little sister he'd help her learn to ride her new bicycle. His head was so full of his projects, he had to twirl a combination on his locker twice before he could get it to open. And after he did, he realized he'd been meaning to clean out his locker. It was hard to believe so much junk could fit inside such a small space. Carefully, Terry began to push aside his jacket, his tennis racket, half a dozen books, and the props for his science project. It's here somewhere, he told himself. I know it is. What somewhere? asked a voice behind him. Terry turned, startled, to see Trisha McCormick standing behind him. Trisha was a short brunette with wiry hair and a bit of a weight problem. She was also the most friendly and enthusiastic person Terry knew. Hi, Trisha, he said. What did you say? Who were you talking to? asked Trisha. Uh, myself, said Terry. I'm a real good listener. Sorry, said Trisha, giggling. I didn't mean to eavesdrop. I was looking for my lunch, Terry explained. Aha! There it is. Triumphantly, he pulled the rumpled brown bag for the jumble, noting with dismay that one whole side of it was wet. Shoving the rest of the stuff back in his locker, he slammed the door. As he did, a piece of paper fluttered to the floor. What's that? said Trisha. I don't know, said Terry. He picked it up and examined it. It was a plain white envelope with a black border. On the front, in ornate lettering, was his name, Terry Ryan. Would you hold my lunch? he asked Trisha. Curious, he opened the envelope. Inside was a stiff white card with a picture of a coffin on it. Beneath the coffin was written, Reserved for you. A coffin, Terry said, starting to laugh. What is this, an ad for a funeral parlor? Turn it over, Trisha said. Terry did as she suggested. The other side was filled with writing. Hey, he said. It's an invitation to a Halloween party at Justine Cameron's place, right? said Trisha. Yeah, said Terry. How did you know? I got one too, said Trisha. Probably everyone in school did. But read what the invitation says. It's really weird. All night Halloween costume party, Terry read. All night. Hey, that's cool. Where's the weird part? Keep going, said Trisha. Special surprises, Terry read. Dancing, games. I don't see what's so. Did you read where it is, said Trisha. Cameron Mansion, 8 p.m. Friday night, October 31st, Terry read. So? So that's the old Cameron Mansion, said Trisha. The one that's out behind the cemetery on Fear Street. You're kidding. How can anyone have a party in there? No one's lived in that place for years, said Terry. Justine and her uncle live there now, said Trisha. They're fixing it up. I know because my father's firm is doing the electrical work. Wasn't that house supposed to be haunted? Terry asked. Everything on Fear Street is supposed to be haunted, said Trisha. Here's your squash lunch back. Thanks, said Terry. As he and Trisha walked to the lunchroom, he thought about some of the things he'd heard about Fear Street. Although perfectly ordinary people lived in some of its beautiful old houses, other homes were deserted and rumored to harbor evil spirits. Terrible things had happened on Fear Street. Murders, mysterious disappearances. It seemed like the perfect spot for a Halloween party. 
Why do you suppose Justine invited us to her party? Trisha asked Terry at the cafeteria door. Terry shrugged. Beats me, he said. I don't even know her. I just know what she looks like. Everyone in the school knew what Justine looked like, Terry thought. She was the most beautiful girl at Shadyside High, maybe in the whole town. Even the girls thought so. She was tall and slim and looked more like a model than a student with her long, shiny blonde hair and eyes as green as jade. Justine was a transfer student new to Shadyside High, and so far, hardly anyone had gotten to know her, though most of the boys had tried. Terry was about to ask Trisha more about Justine when he spotted Nikki sitting at a table by the door. He excused himself and slid in across from Nikki so she'd be able to read his lips. Hi, funny face, he said, calling her by his special pet name. Hi, Terry, Nikki said, giving him a big smile. Terry suddenly felt like the most important person in the world. Nikki always had that effect on him. He'd been going with her six months now, and he still couldn't believe his good fortune. Nikki wasn't the prettiest girl at Chase's side, or the smartest, but she was definitely the most special. When she came into a room, everybody automatically felt happier. When Nikki smiled, her white teeth flashing against her smooth olive skin. It was like the sun coming up. What you been up to? Nikki asked him. Nothing much, Terry said, but look at this. He handed her the invitation. I got one too, said Nikki. Maybe everyone in the school did, said Terry. I don't think so, said Nikki. No one else in my homeroom got one, and none of my friends like Jade and Dina were invited. I wonder why she invited us, said Terry. I don't even know her, do you? Not very well, Nikki admitted. She's in my gym class, and I play basketball with her, but we've hardly spoken to each other. Terry opened his lunch, noting that the leak was coming from his meatloaf and tomato sandwich, which had somehow gotten completely smashed. Ugh, he said, looking at the gooey mess. Here, have half of mine, said Nikki. She always ate the same thing, a peanut butter and banana sandwich with celery and carrot sticks on the side. That's okay, said Terry. Maybe I'll get a hot dog from the vending machine. I can't believe the junk you eat, said Nikki. At least have some carrot sticks. Terry took one and began to munch. What are you going to go as? asked Nikki. What? To Justine's party. It's a costume party, remember? Oh, I don't know, said Terry. Maybe we ought to just skip it. None of your friends are going, and we don't really know Justine. So what, said Nikki. I love costume parties. Besides, I've never been to a party on Fear Street. It would definitely be a first, said Terry. So it's settled, said Nikki. Besides, I'd like to get to know Justine better. What's she like in gym, Terry asked. She's the best athlete in the class, said Nikki. She's in really great shape. I asked her about it once, and she told me she lifts weights. Terry let out a low whistle. Whoa, he said. No wonder she's so... He let the thought trail off. She's so what? asked Nikki. She had a dangerous glint in her eyes. So, you know, he said, stifling a grin. He looked closely at Nikki to see if she was really upset or if she was just teasing him. So, stacked? Nikki suggested. Well, yeah, said Terry. Nikki burst out laughing. You boys are all alike, she said. I wonder who Justine asked at a party as her date. For the rest of the day, no one talked about anything but Justine and her party. Everyone had heard about it, even though not many people had been invited. Just before the bell rang for the last period, Lisa Bloom stopped Terry in the hall. Lisa was assistant editor of the school paper, and she usually knew everything that was going on. In fact, she was a real gossip, except she called it being a reporter. I hear you were invited to Justine's party, she said to Terry. Why do you think she asked you? I don't have any idea, said Terry. You're the reporter. Maybe you can tell me. My theory is she wants to get to know people better, said Lisa but she's shy about it because of all the awful stories about the house where she lives. What are you talking about? Don't you know, said Lisa. The last owners of the Cameron Mansion were killed in some kind of accident years ago. The story is that no one could ever live in there again because their spirits haunt the place. Nice story. So why is Justine living there? asked Terry skeptically. Lisa shrugged. According to my aunt, Justine is a distant cousin of the original owners. Her uncle inherited the place and decided to fix it up. I heard she lives there with her uncle. He's her guardian, said Lisa. 
I guess her parents are dead or divorced or something. Supposedly, Justine and her uncle have lived all over the country, and even in Europe. Terry knew that Lisa's information was usually right, but he didn't see what Justine had to do with him and Nikki. He was still puzzling the matter over in biology class when Ricky Shore sat down next to him. Ricky was an obnoxious, practical joker, and some people considered him the biggest dweeb in the whole school. Ricky's thick black hair was uncombed as usual, and as usual, he was wearing a tacky t-shirt no one else would be caught dead in. This one was stained with orange juice and said, Kiss me, I'm a Martian. Hey, sure, said Terry. Yo, Terry, said Ricky. He set a rumpled paper sack down on the lab table, separating them. I heard you and Nikki got invited to Justine's party. That's right, said Terry. So did I, said Ricky. Huh? No bull? Terry was surprised. He couldn't imagine why Justine had chosen him and Nikki, but it was even weirder that she had asked Ricky and Trisha. None of them hung out together. I wonder who else is going, Ricky said. Have you heard? Nope, said Terry. How's your biology project coming, he asked, deliberately changing the subject. I'm just about done now, said Ricky. In fact, I've got it in here. He pointed to the paper sack. Terry looked at the sack in disbelief. It was throbbing and beginning to inch across the lab table. I hate to tell you, he said, but your science project seems to be trying to escape. Ricky opened the sack. Instantly, a small green frog leapt out and began hopping along the table. Terry grabbed for it and held it distastefully in his hands. This is your biology project, sure, he said. A frog? It's not the whole thing, said Ricky, looking hurt. He reached in the bag and pulled out a jar of murky water. My project is a metamorphosis, he said. I've got tadpoles in here. Terry gazed at the jar doubtfully. You mean you had tadpoles, he said. Those aren't moving. Let me see, said Ricky. He took the jar and studied it closely, turning it first one way, then the other. Then he shook it. I guess I should have cut air holes in the lid, he said finally. Oh, well, that's life, huh? Here today, slimy and disgusting tomorrow. I can always pick up some more at the pond. Terry handed him the frog, and he shoved it and the jar of dead tadpoles back into the sack. Great project, sure, Terry said sarcastically. Just call me Mr. Wizard, Ricky said. So who else is invited to the party, Ricky asked after a moment. I don't know, said Terry. Trisha McCormick. I don't know anyone else. Murphy Carter, said Ricky. Murphy Carter was the first name on the list that made sense to Terry. Murphy was a linebacker on the football team and was well known as an all-around party guy, but he had nothing in common with the rest of them. Terry was about to ask Ricky more when Mr. Rothrock came in, ready to talk about genetics. And for the next 40 minutes, Terry forgot all about the party. But after school, walking outside to meet Nikki, he passed a crowd gathered on the front steps. Lisa Bloom was talking to a small crowd of students. Nikki caught up with him on the sidewalk and took his elbow. Hi, Terry, she said. How was your day? Weird, said Terry, pretty honestly. How about you? Pretty weird, too. I feel like a celebrity because of the invitation to the party. Which way did you want to walk home? Terry asked. I guess by the... Wait a minute, said Nikki. Lisa's reading off a list. She squinted to where Lisa was speaking. Maybe to make up for her deafness, Nikki's eyesight was great, and she could read lips across the room. She's figured out everyone's invited to the party, Nikki said. It's nine people. Only nine, said Terry? That's what she says. There's you and me, Trisha, Ricky Shore, Murphy Carter, Angela Martiner, Les Whittle, David Summers, and... and Alex Beal. Alex? Oh, wonderful, Terry muttered sarcastically. For years, he and Alex had been best friends. They'd grown up together, played tennis together, even gone out with girls together, until last year when Nikki had stopped going with Alex and started dating Terry. Alex had never gotten over his feelings for Nikki, and sometimes, Terry wondered if Nikki was over her feelings for Alex. This whole list is bizarro, Nikki was saying. None of us hung out together, except maybe Murphy and David. David, like Murphy, was on the football team and also played basketball. Angela was a slim, pretty redhead with a fast reputation, and Les was a science whiz who kept to himself. Terry couldn't think why any of them had been invited, but if Alex B. was on the list, he was suddenly glad that he was too. 
Oh, look, said Nicky, here comes Justine. Maybe she'll explain the list. Where have you been all day? Someone asked Justine. I had a doctor's appointment in Waynesbridge, said Justine. I just got back for last period. Come on, said Lisa, explain your guest list. What's to explain, said Justine sweetly. I'm just having a party. I've got it, said Murphy Carter. If you look at the list, everyone invited is either a jock or a wimp or someone's girlfriend. Is that it, Justine? I'm sorry. I don't know what you're talking about, she said with a shrug. I just invited some people I want to get to know better. She was wearing a body-hugging white wool dress, and with her frosty blonde hair and green eyes, she looked more like a model than ever. I like Murphy's idea, said David. The wimps and the jocks. So what do you think, wimp? asked Murphy, spotting Terry. You guys got the guts to go to the party and stay all night? I hope you'll all come to the party, said Justine. She turned her dazzling smile on Murphy. Can I count on you, Murphy? she asked. Uh, sure, he said, suddenly looking goofy. You can count on me, too, said David. I'm glad, said Justine. Now, both of you have to promise that you'll dance with me. I have a really rad sound system, and I bought a lot of excellent new dance CDs. Justine was laying it on pretty thick, and Terry could see that Murphy and David were buying it. Hey, I'd like to dance with you, said Bobby McCory, who had appeared from somewhere with his buddy, Marty Danforth. Bobby was on the varsity football team, but he had a bad temper, and most of the other guys didn't hang out with him. He and Marty were the biggest bullies in the school. Well, I'd like to dance with you too, Bobby, said Justine, her voice suddenly sarcastic. Why don't you come to my aerobics class? The other kids laughed, and Bobby glared at them before turning back to Justine. Why don't I come to your party instead, he said. You probably just forgot to send me an invitation, right? No, said Justine, smiling again. I didn't forget. Well, you better change your mind, said Bobby with a scowl. Me and Marty don't like being left out of things. I'm sorry you feel that way, said Justine, but this is a small party, and you guys just aren't on the list. We'll see about that, said Bobby menacingly. Come on, Marty, he added. Let's leave these dorks and go have some fun. He and Marty stalked away, then jumped in their motorcycles and roared off. Terry had a feeling they weren't giving up, but Justine didn't seem all that concerned. Hey, Justine, what about dates? Murphy asked. I can bring my girlfriend, can I? It's not a party for dates, said Justine. It's not that kind of party at all. But Monica and I have been going together for two years, said Murphy. Then I'm sure she won't mind giving you a little extra space just for one night, said Justine. Terry and Nikki were turning to leave when the front door to the school swung open with a bang. Alex Beale came swaggering down the steps, his huge, muscular frame seeming to take up all the space a foot around him. Terry had to admit that Alex was good-looking, with his short blonde hair, his confident smile, his laughing dark eyes. As soon as he got close to Justine, he winked. Good, said Justine. I hope I can count on you. Oh, you can count on me, said Alex. One, two, three, four, five. What comes after five, Alex, Terry thought. The sight of Alex always made Terry feel uneasy and sarcastic these days. I knew I could count on you, Alex, Justine said, smiling again. She turned and gave a little wave to the kids who were still there. See the rest of you later, she said, and strolled out to the parking lot. Terry took Nikki's hand and chugged gently. But before they could get down the steps, Murphy Carter's voice cut through the noise. Hey, Terry, he said. Wimp. Where are you going so fast? We're going home, said Terry. What do you think? Right, said Murphy, but he never answered my question. Quickly, he explained to Alex about the invitations either going to wimps or jocks. So I asked Terry if he thought he could go the distance and stay all night. Good question, said Alex, laughing. Can you? Oh, wow, a haunted house, said Terry. I'm shaking in my shoes. Alex used his best Count Dracula voice to say, Even if it's on Fear Street. It's just another street as far as I'm concerned, said Murphy. All that garbage about evil things happening there is just superstition. I'm not so sure about that, said Alex thoughtfully. Now who's the wimp, cracked Murphy, slightly confused. Hey, Alex, whose side are you on? 
Give me a break, Murphy, Alex said, rolling his dark eyes. Halloween on Fear Street. I'm ready. He turned back to Terry, an odd smirk on his handsome face. What about a Terry? Think you and the wimps will be able to stay all night in a haunted house? I've got no problem with it, said Terry. But are you sure your mommy will let you stay out after dark? Alex ignored Terry's shot and called to Ricky Shore, who was heading to the parking lot, carrying the paper bag with his dead biology project. Hey, sure, he shouted. How about you? You going to join Terry's team and show up at the party? Sure, I'll show up, said Ricky. I'm not a wimp. Alex, David, and Murphy laughed. I love it, said Murphy. He's not a wimp. He doesn't have the guts to be a wimp, cried David. The three of them started laughing all over again, slapping one another high fives. So, who else is on your team, Terry? asked Alex. Les Whittle, maybe, and Trisha. Think they'll have the guts to go. Ask them yourself, said Terry. He took a deep breath. Nikki gave him a worried look, then turned to the jocks. Come on, guys, she said. This isn't a contest, it's a party. Why can't we all just... Sorry, Nikki, said Murphy. Maybe it started out as a party, but it's a contest now. Us against them. The jocks against the wimps. Terry stood there a moment, exasperated. Alex was always trying to show him up. Why couldn't he just accept that Nikki was his girlfriend now? Find someone else to play your games, he said finally. Come on, Nikki. In other words, said Alex, you're too chicken to go. In that case, Nikki, maybe you better join our team. Sounds like Terry's not sure he can protect you. I can take care of Nikki, obviously better than you, Terry shouted, losing his temper and immediately feeling embarrassed about it. Will you both stop acting like children, Nikki shouted. I can take care of myself, and for your information, I'm not on any so-called team. That's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Oh yeah, said Alex, looking stung. Maybe you ought to think twice about that. He took a step forward, his face suddenly dark with anger. Take it easy, Alex, Terry said. Nobody meant anything. It's just a party, all right? It's now more than that, muttered Alex, and you know it. He turned and walked quickly to the parking lot. The crowd of kids began to break up. Yo, Captain Wimp, Ricky cheerfully called from across the parking lot. We're going to cream those guys, huh, dude? They don't have a chance, Terry called back, suddenly into the competition without realizing it. We'll show them who the wimps are, and it's not us. He started to reach for Nikki's hand, but stopped in surprise. She was standing still and staring up at him, her face full of misery. Hey, funny face, he said. What's the matter? This stupid contest, she said, grounding. Why'd you let those guys push you into it? Nobody pushed me into anything, said Terry. Besides, there's nothing to worry about. It's just a goof. To you, maybe, Nikki said. But not to Alex. Didn't you see his face? He's serious about this. Deadly serious. Chapter 3 Terry's parents readily agreed to let him go to the all-night party, but only because Justine's uncle was going to chaperone. Nikki's parents were harder to persuade, but when Nikki showed them the costume she spent hours making, they finally gave in. Meanwhile, Terry, Ricky, Les, and Trish, the wimp team, were thinking up tricks to play on the jocks. Terry only joined in half-heartedly, knowing that the real competition was between Alex and him. Nikki absolutely refused to have anything to do with the competition or pranks, but she was really looking forward to the party. Meanwhile, every day at school was like April Fool's Day. At first, it was just harmless fun. One morning, the jocks dissed Ricky Shore with a huge plastic snake that jumped out of his locker. Then Les got even by sneaking into the locker room and filling Alex's and Murphy's basketball shoes with shaving cream. The day after that, Trisha received a phone call from someone who told her she had won a thousand pounds of dead fish in a wimp contest. But then the pranks turned ugly. Two days before Halloween, Terry opened his locker and reached for his tennis racket without looking. Oh. Something in there brushed against his hand. It felt clammy and cold, like a dead fish. Terry dropped the racket in disgust. He took a step back, then forced himself to look down at the racket. 
Hanging from the strings, a plucked chicken head was staring up at him through sightless eyes. Ah, gross! He picked up the racket and unwrapped the note taped around the handle. Here's a start in your costume, wimp. You'll see worse, unless you chicken out and forget the party. Very mature, Alex, Terry said to the empty hall. He shrugged, then threw the chicken head and note into the nearest trash can. How could he and Alex have become such enemies, he wondered. He could remember the years growing up, when Alex's family had just lived down the street. They had been such good friends, inseparable almost. Now they couldn't be together for five minutes without getting into some dumb competition. It was dumb, so dumb. But even though he knew it was dumb, Terry still didn't want to lose Alex. Not now, not ever. On Thursday, before the party, Terry was hurrying to the school library to do some work on his biology project during study period. He'd chosen seed germination for his project because it seemed really interesting. It was really interesting, but it was also a lot more complicated than he had ever imagined. He had tried to germinate some seeds and preserve them in different stages of growth, but nothing would sprout. He was going to have to draw illustrations instead. He rounded the corner just before the library and stopped dead. At the end of the hall was a small group of kids, including Murphy, David, Alex, and Nikki. Nikki was wearing a bright red sweater and plaid skirt, and looked so pretty all he wanted to do was go up and hug her, but she was smiling and talking with Alex. Alex spotted Terry first. He didn't say anything, he just stared at Terry as if he were a bug or some other low form of life. And then he deliberately refocused on Nikki. He bent forward and said something to her, very close to her face. Nikki shook her head quickly, looking annoyed, and the jocks laughed and swaggered off. Terry forced himself to act as if he hadn't noticed anything. Hi, funny face, he said. Hi, Terry, said Nikki. She smiled, but it wasn't her full smile. She seemed worried, as if something was on her mind. What was that all about, he asked casually. What was what all about? With Murphy and Alex, what were you talking about? For a moment, Nikki didn't answer. Then she gave Terry the look, the look that meant he was on dangerous ground. Why shouldn't I talk to them, she asked, sounding defensive. Well, it's just that, that they're on the other team, said Terry. Then, trying to make a joke out of it, he added, After all, this is war! But Nikki didn't take it as a joke. For your information, she said, it's no such thing, and I'm not on either team, or had you forgotten. I remembered, but, well, you're going to the party with me, so... I'll go to the party with you, Nikki said, but I'll talk to anyone I want. Terry knew she was right. I'm sorry, he said. Didn't mean to come on so heavy. It's just that you look sort of worried. As a matter of fact, I am worried, said Nikki. This whole party is beginning to seem weirder and weirder. What do you mean? Well, this dumb contest. Justine is really into it, too. And I still can't figure out the guest list. This group just doesn't belong together. I know, said Terry, but so what? And why did she say no one could bring dates, Nikki went on. That's not a problem for us, said Terry. Are you saying you don't want to go? No, said Nikki. But, Terry, be careful. This morning, Angela told me the jocks are cooking up some tricks for the party that could be really dangerous. Like what? I don't know. That's what I was asking Alex about. Well, what did he say? He wouldn't tell me. He just said I should join his team, Nikki replied, even more upset now. He said it might not be safe for me to go with the wimps. Terry took a deep breath and held it. What did you tell him? He asked for a moment. He hated himself for asking, but he had to know. Oh, I said he was right, and I decided to go with the jocks. What do you think? The sarcasms in her voice was as heavy as cement, and Terry felt terrible. Nikki, I'm sorry, I didn't mean... What good does it do to be sorry, she said. I can't believe the way you and Alex are acting. You're both taking this thing so seriously. Why can't you lighten up and just see it as a party? Hey, it's not me who's taking it too seriously, Terry said. Alex is the one who's playing tricks. He's the one threatening you, trying to cause trouble between us. Will you listen to yourself, said Nikki, her dark eyes suddenly flashing in anger. Why don't you just admit that you're as jealous of Alex as he is of you? That's what's really behind this stupid competition. She turned angrily and walked down the hall. 
Terry thought of going after her, but stopped himself. It wouldn't do any good. When Nikki got that mad, it always took her a while to cool off. Terry had the library all to himself during study period, but he might as well have been in the middle of a crowded train for all the work he could get done on his project. He stared at photographs of Steeds, but all he could see was the face of Alex Beale. Whatever Alex was up to, he thought, he wasn't going to get away with it. And Terry refused to be scared off by talk of dangerous tricks. After all, it was just a Halloween party. He expected a few scares on Halloween, trick-or-treat and all that. But as much as he tried to make light of it, Terry couldn't ignore a tiny shiver of foreboding. Terry was on his way from the library to his next class when he heard angry voices just outside the delivery entrance to the cafeteria. He was about to go on by when he heard a small scream and a frightened voice of a girl. Stop it! You're hurting me! His heart thudding, Terry pulled the door all the way open. Standing on the service porch were Bobby McCory and Marty Danforth. Between them was Justine, her face pale and her expression frightened. I can't, Justine was saying. Don't you understand? The party is already set. Well, you'd better unset it, said Bobby, sounding really tough. Justine tried to get away, but Marty had hold of her wrist. Like we told you, Justine, he said. We don't take no for an answer. Terry walked up to them without even thinking. All right, you two, he said. Let her go. Oh, yeah, said Bobby. Who says so? I do, said Terry. Come on. You don't scare me, said Bobby. But he did let go of Justine's wrist. Come on, Bobby, said Marty. We can finish this later. And don't think we won't, added Bobby. He started to go inside, but stopped suddenly and turned to glare at Justine. You've got till tomorrow night to change your mind, he told her. Forget it, said Justine. You're not coming. We'll see about that, sneered Marty. And as for you, wimp, he added, pointing at Terry, if you don't stay out of my face, you won't need a Halloween mask. Swaggering, the two bullies disappeared into the hall. Justine stared after them. Nice guys, she said. They think they're bad dudes, Terry said. When it comes down to it, they're probably the two biggest cowards in the shady side. Well, I think what you did was really brave, Justine said, giving him a brilliant and somehow intimate smile. Thank you. Terry noticed that she had her shiny blonde hair pulled back in a braid and was wearing a lime-colored sweater that made her green eyes appear even greener. Hey, listen, don't worry about those two, said Terry. Then, suddenly, he realized what he'd done. He'd stood up to the two meanest guys at Shadyside. I could have been dead meat, he thought. Was I out of my head or what? You were wonderful, Justine said. Someday, I'd like to show you just how grateful I am. She let her smile linger, then went on. I also want to apologize to you, she added, her musical voice low and intimate. Apologize, said Terry, surprised. For what? Justine looked embarrassed. I, I understand that my party invitations have caused some trouble, and there's some sort of contest. Well, yeah, said Terry, but it's not your fault. Thank you for saying so, said Justine. I never meant the party to cause any bad feelings. All they really want to do is have a few special people over, so I can get to know you all better. For a moment, she lightly rested her fingertips on Terry's arm. He felt a jolt of electricity travel up his arm and then through his body. Well, uh, hey, I mean, we'd, uh, we'd all like to get to know you better, too, he stammered. I mean, Justine continued, there's no need for a contest. I have plenty of excitement planned without it. The whole idea just seems really silly. That's what Nikki says, too, said Terry. Nikki, my girlfriend, he added quickly. In fact... She won't have anything to do with the contest. Good for her, said Justine. She's in my gym class, you know. Is it really true she's deaf? Someone told me she was, but it's hard to believe. It's true, said Terry, but most people can't tell. I'm so glad she's coming to the party, too, said Justine. I don't have any close girlfriends in Shadyside, and I have a really special feeling about Nikki. I'll tell her, said Terry. He left feeling warm inside. This party was really going to be special, he thought, and no one, not even Alex, was going to spoil it for him and Nikki. Nikki was waiting at his locker when school was over. When she saw him walk up, she smiled sheepishly. 
Hi, Terry, she said. Hi, funny face. I'm sorry I got so mad before, she said. It's okay, he said. I'm sorry, too. You were right. I've been taking the contest too seriously. I promise from now on to just forget about it and relax. Good, said Nikki. Terry smiled at her. It was good to see her happy again, and he felt more relaxed than he had all week. So, which way should we walk home, he asked. The long way or the shortcut? I think the long way would be nice, don't you? said Nikki, squeezing his hand. You bet, said Terry. The long way would mean an extra ten minutes of just the two of them alone together. Terry stuffed his gear in his day pack. Here, let me have your books, he told Nikki. She handed him her stack of books, but as she did, her geography book fell to the floor, and a small scrap of paper fluttered out. Idly, she picked it up and glanced at it, then gasped. What is it? Terry took the paper from her. In crude, block letters, the note said, You'll wish you were blind, too.